Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You may recall that on our last program, my guest, Dr. Paul Knapper, talked about the power of agency, the ability of every human, including you and me, to assume control of our life and to lead it in the direction we desire, regardless of roadblocks, disappointments, even calamities that stand in our way. But this week, we're going to follow up on the subject of taking control of your life. Specifically, this week's topic is rekindling the fire within, and my guest is everyday peacemaker, Dr. Davron James. And if the name sounds familiar, Dr. Dave Ron was a prior guest on our program on July 29, 2019, and on that program she talked about finding peace within in the midst of stress. Today we're going to be more positive and concentrate on jump-starting and building the life of your dreams at middle age, in fact at any age. And to refresh your memory, here are Dr. DeVron James's qualifications. She's an inspirational speaker, radio host, and author of the outstanding little 2017 book, Freedom is Your Birthright. She's founder of Everyday Peace, a platform that inspires others to build the life of their dreams, no matter what shows up, good, bad, or in between. She earned her doctorate in pharmacy from Creighton University and continues to serve as a pharmacist along with her personal development message, and she's served 27 years of clinical practice. And oh, by the way, Devron James also pursues her passion as an actress, including a recurring role on HBO's acclaimed series, The Wire. And perhaps most important of all, Devron is a wife of 23 years and a happy mother of two teenagers. And as most of us know, parenting of teenagers is a full-time job unto itself. And hello, Dr. Devon. I don't know how you found the time for us, but welcome back. The middle age can be your best age. Roy, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we learned from your extended bio on your website that your life has not always been peaches and cream. Tell us about some of the challenges you face as a child and young adult, and more importantly, how you were able to overcome these obstacles to pursue your dreams and to educate, empower, and inspire others to do the same. Oh, thank you for asking that question, Roy. You know, um, and as you mentioned in the bio, I, I have had uh, pretty much what they would say coming up on the rough side of the journey, uh, born in, in Chicago, in the south side of Chicago, and in impoverished conditions, and some of my childhood included a stint of homelessness as well as when I was in college for a bit of time. But I can honestly say that one of the principles that I have uh, patterned my inspirational career, speaking career after, is is this notion of everyday peace, wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. 
Oh. may sound pretty simplistic, but it also includes this philosophy that everything that shows up in our journeys is shown up for one reason, and that is to bow down and serve us as we consciously create the life of our dreams. And in this case, pursue the passions of our of our choice. So yes, you know there was there was roughness. There was there was a difficulty with my health and uh, failed pregnancies and there were career challenges, you know, and uh, of course, you know, I've been at, actually married now uh 24 years and the 24 oh. years you would like to say you know if you 24 years it's not all been rosy. There have been many challenges there, and of course, you mentioned I have teenagers, one in college now, oh, and so that whole, that whole journey. But through it all, there has been um, some very very painful moments, as with everybody's life. Right? You know, our life is yeah. full. We have these moments that we've loved, uh, and then there were these moments that we wish never happened. So my life, just like everybody else's, has those as well. And I had a choice, just like we all do. What am I going to do with all that pain? What What do you yeah. do with the loss of a, of a child, which which I endured? Uh, yeah. What do you do with that? What, what do you do with that type of pain? Yeah, it's do you sit around and relish it or feel sorry for yeah. yourself or do you move forward? That's a decision everyone yeah. has to make. Right, right, and it is a decision that we have to make, even when we don't, when our sensations, and this is all about passion, we're talking about passion in the middle age, sometimes yeah. our sensations, what we feel inside, don't match up with the decisions that we've made, our conscious decisions, so, you know, you go through some of these traumas, and what, the sensation that we're feeling is that, let me just crawl up in a ball and lay here in this bed into this, yeah. you know, and and, and you get, and I'm not saying do not. Uh, take care of yourself. You've got to take care of those needs. But we all know that um, it would not serve us to crawl up in that ball and, and to remain in that fetal position for the rest of our lives. We eventually want to come. We want to come out of that cocoon. We want to heal ourselves and allow ourselves to be healed in that space. And when that process of healing and and we got enough strength, we want to move forward with this journey and taking all of that memory, you know, and utilizing that. With us, so well, we don't so many here. of us at middle age reminisce on better times. Oh, if I were only young again, you know, as a teenager and young adult, we believed anything is possible. Why is it that young folks uh, start out starting out are so positive? They haven't really experienced anything. Why do they think they're so great and everything's going to be rosy? Yeah, that's a great position to be in, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I always say, you know, life hasn't beat you down, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they they have this resilience, right? And they have this glass glass half full mentality of life. Is that yes, you know, and you know, we see you know like a deer in the headlights almost. You know, I used to say this expression about myself. Yeah. A lot of times in my life, I was just too dumb to doubt. You know, yeah. uh, someone said that I could do it, and I thought, well, yeah, I could do it, and then. The reverse happens, too. Someone says you can't do it, and sometimes we're too dumb to doubt on that, too. We take that voice as the voice of authority, and we hear that enough. You know, we get, uh, you know, hard knocks in our life. You know, you, you you have marital problems, health problems, bad supervisor, all these kind of things that keep keep highlighting these painful moments. If you're not careful, if you're not constantly filling yourself up with the truth, then you'll buy into that story that says, no, you're not, not you're not enough, or no, this is all that life has to offer you. So you really got to stay in command of the story that you allow yourself to hear about you. Yeah, I had a great uh, vision of the future when I was in the service and through education until the first day I walked in on my first permanent job at a 
large uh, worldwide manufacturing company, and I was immediately put in my place that uh, I really didn't mean all that much to how the company did as a whole, and uh, you know, it just became a dull routine, and uh, <laughs> all my uh, uh, all that uh, sparkling view of the future kind of went away. <laughs> So, right, yes, yeah. it, it happens, right? Because, right, because we we get into this situation, we realize that oh, someone else is, you know, telling me, someone who I may think to be in a position of authority is telling me that I am not, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer. I am not the shiniest, you know. <laughs> and you start believing that if you're not constantly reaffirming yourself with the truth. Yeah, yeah they say right? we, this is the way we do it, and, and it's due tomorrow, and blah blah. And we're working tonight, you know. Well, so many of us that uh, the disturbing news by middle age, most of us have compromised or perhaps given up altogether on our dreams of youth. Why is it that as we age, we can so easily be lured away from our passions? Later in life, is the dissolution of dreams inevitable, something you and I just have to live with? Well, here is, Roy, this may surprise you, but we never lost our passion about life. We never lost our dreams. We simply traded them. You know, some of us, you know, we believe at the time yeah. we traded up, you know, we, yeah. but, but we traded We traded our passion for something. We may have traded it for a high-level corporate position. We may have traded yeah. it for the honor of being Mr. or Mrs. somebody. Maybe or the a corner of, office and maybe a lot of cash. Right. But for some reason, we decided to trade this passion for something else. And so that's that's good news. That is good news because we didn't lose it. And, it. and we traded it. So it takes us taking a moment and making a decision that, wait a second, either I consciously remember what I was passionate about. A lot of us don't because we, yeah. we've been in the midst of this trade so long we forgot what it is that we gave up. So then we've got to redevelop a relationship with ourselves and become aware and maybe even get out there and try some new things. Remember what you used to do before. Say, oh, let me try that again. I mean, you know, maybe it was bowling. I don't know. It could have been something as simple as gardening. Whatever yeah. it was that you were passionate about, try it again. Pick, pick up that memory. Become aware. Maybe you've got a new passion, but you really can't escape. The One of the most joyous uh, parts of life is reacquainting ourselves with ourselves. Yeah, is that what you consider the the one most powerful tool that we need to recreate our vision of what the light, what a wonderful life is like, and get us back on track? Yeah, we got to have a desire to get to know us, and this is the thing. And I've talked to people, and I've done this talk, and people say, "Well, you know, I don't know how to do that," but. We know how we want others to feel about us, right? We yeah. know that we, when we walk into a room, we if not, we know how we don't want them to feel about us, right? So we've got to pretend like we're getting to know ourselves, like we are the stranger in the room, and we're falling in love with ourselves step by step. And once you realize, oh, yeah, I like to cook, or I, or I like to sing, or, I, you know, and then give yourself permission to be. Yeah, permission. we got to get to how what? How we like ourselves rather than constantly worrying about what other people think about us. <laughs> oh, 
that is such a deadly sin, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, and I heard this impress, uh, expression many years ago, and I rather like it. It says, "What other people think of me is none of my business. Who am I to in- <laughs> I <like it. laughs> who am I to intrude on their private thoughts?" Yeah. <laughs> well, every one of us is confronted with the day-to-day personal pressure of staying healthy, earning a living, raising kids. Most of us interacting with others, not to mention reacting to community-wide, even worldwide shocks like the coronavirus, trade wars, terrorist threats, and stock market corrections. How in the heck can we remain focused on the path to our dreams in the face of all life's distractions, detours, even calamities? Oh, Roy, that's a great question because life is full of distractions, isn't it? There is sure. after you know, and in, in the and I work in the healthcare field as you mentioned. I've been a pharmacist for thirty years now, and and seen a lot of things. And I really, my heart goes out to everyone who is suffering with the coronavirus. Yeah. And I'm wishing everyone to take care of themselves and practice, you know, safe hand hygiene and all that, so that they don't contract the coronavirus. But what I do know about life is this: once we pass through this coronavirus there'll be another distraction that will come. And after that distraction, there'll be another distraction. So we really have to move beyond distractions with our mature minds and say, okay, I understand that life is dynamic and I'm not going to be able to do anything about the things that I can't do anything about. Yeah, that's for sure. But but I I will accept responsibility, gladly accept responsibility for getting to know me. Because in all of this, once we get, you know, a few years ago it was the swine flu, and you, yeah. you've been through this. You know, we, we, if you live long enough, you know there's, you know, there's always another adventure behind this adventure. Yeah. But through it all, what remains unchanged and the same is that we are responsible for developing our lives and rekindling that passion for our life experience, for our life's journey. Yeah. Well, in an introduction to your book, Freedom is Your Birthright, you inform us that all of us are free regardless of past or present circumstances. How do you define the word freedom, and what does it mean to be free? Can a person sentenced to life in prison without parole still be free? Oh, that is a great question. So we, in the book, I define two freedoms. There's the external freedom, and we're talking about the person in prison. I mentioned in my book, I talk about a person who's in prison. And so that's an external freedom that has been taken. And we know here in America, we have lots of external freedoms that other countries may or may not have. So yeah. those are external freedoms. And what we know about those, they're great to have. None of us would, would voluntarily give away our external freedom. But we freely freely give away our internal freedom. And this is what I want to say about that. Internal freedom, internal freedom is so necessary if we want to live a full, gratifying life. If we just look at some of our um, entertainers that are no longer with us and one of my favorite entertainers was Whitney Houston. Had a lot of external freedoms. She had all the things externally, yeah. but there was an internal plaguing, right? We don't know what it was, but yeah. it led to her demise, right? Yeah. And so inside of each of us, we have we have this internal being that we are free to perceive the world the way we that best serves us. Meaning that two people can view the same event. 
the same event. And one person can say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm never going to get over this. I'm broken. And the other person can say, this was extremely painful. I'm choosing to learn from this, to grow from this. And this very event here will be the reason that I make it. Yeah. That, now, how does someone develop that kind of an attitude? That's kind of the secret to everything. Is yes, that is. Treatment is a learning experience, and I'm going to grow from it. That is the million-dollar question. And, and then can everybody do this? And so the answer is yes, everyone can do this. Is to When you stay in the now, in this moment right now, which is where our, all of our power is, yeah. you can make some very powerful decisions that serve you in the future. What people do, however, is they spend a lot of time in the past, in the good yeah, old days, sure. which traps them. Right, they're trapped in there. They're not. They're, they're not using their power because there's no power in yesterday, except for to remember it fondly, or to remember it painfully. Either way, it's gone. You can't change yesterday. There's nothing right? more useless than obsessing on something, a mistake you made in the past. You you analyze what you did to gain insight for the future, but you don't just sit around feeling bad about it or blaming someone else or circumstances because that really gets you nothing. Nothing at all. So it was to make the decision that, you know, yes, whatever happened, happened. And yeah. no, I'm not going to be a victim to that anymore. I'm going to exercise my freedom to set myself free inside from it. Now, I may still be dealing with the pain of it, the pain of it, but what I'm going to do is to make a conscious decision that I'm going to use this event to grow. If, if that means I need to go get therapy, if that means you know I need to change some things about my external environment, I'm going to do the necessary things, consciously do them, even though the sensation of pain and disappointment and regret and even resentment may still be there. Because living a life of passion means that I will make the decisions, even if the current sensations in my body, in my feeling nature, don't line up with them. I'm making the decision to move in the direction that I want my life to move in. Yeah, that, and then we keep that constantly in front of us, regardless of what obstacles come in our way. That, that's really, uh, you go on to inform us that if we're not exercising our freedom and pursuing our dreams, we're not just hurting ourselves. How is failure to pursue our dreams also depriving our families our employer, our communities, and the world. <laughs> How are they impacted? Well, I, well, I want to give you a very simple example. Uh, my daughter, who is now 19 years old in college now, when she was born, I took a look at her and I said, well, if I don't pursue my, my passion of wanting to develop my career as an actress, how will I ever tell her that she could do anything that she wants to do? She was not even six months old. And I had began this love of acting when I was in the third grade, went on to college and studied uh, pharmacy, went on and got a doctorate in that. And But I really wanted to pursue acting. I really wanted to do that. And so when she was about six months old, I went and took some acting classes, and I said, I'm going to pursue this because I know that um, people, especially you know the people in our family and our community, are more apt to do what you do than to do what you say. So you set an example of, you know, watch me reach. Not every time that we reach, we're going to be successful. It's not just that. They're not just looking for the successes. They're looking for the pursuit of happiness. How How do I pursue my passion? When we model that, 
for people in our homes, for people in our community, for the world at large. We become an environment where people are more uh, in a happier state because they're pursuing their passion. They're not stuck in mediocrity. Yeah, well, I guess we better get started right away since we're hurting others as well as ourselves. And one of the That's most, right. <laughs> one of the most requested speech topics on your website, drdavonjames.com, is improve the quality of your life now. And from that topic, what is the simple pathway to utilize the most powerful tool of our time to create the life of your dreams? I know that's, that's listed one of the topics. Right. So, yeah, and I wanted to, so one of the most powerful things you can do is your self-talk. Oh, yeah. Because, because that's a conversation that you can't get away from. You know, if you're talking to someone on the telephone and you're tired of that conversation, you'll make a polite excuse and you'll end that conversation. If you're, you know, in a dialogue with someone over the Internet, you'll end that dialogue. But that yeah. dialogue that goes on between our ears <laughs> is perpetual and is ongoing. And sometimes, believe it or not, it is the harshest conversation that we'll have because we're super critical of ourselves. We believe that we can get better through criticism, and yeah. that is there, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing can be further from the truth. When we criticize ourselves, what that causes the ego to do is become, you know, I use this example, a virus is so hard to treat because they say viruses are intelligent. They they mutate and they change so that, you know, once you, try, once you think you've got something to kill it, it changes. The ego is much like that. Once your self-criticism becomes so toxic, you think, okay, I'm going to change. And the ego just changes and shifts so that you can't see the self-criticism that much. It hides and it becomes more toxic yeah. to you. And so then you're criticism, afraid to try anything new. You absolutely. You don't. And, and who's done that to you? You've done it to yourself yeah. through this through this um, desire to correct our behavior through criticism. So listen to yourself talk. Avoid self-criticism at all costs. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't try to become the best individual that we could possibly be. We're honest with ourselves. You say, hey, you know, I didn't, that wasn't the nicest way to speak to someone. Perhaps next time when you're frustrated, you take a moment, take a couple deep breaths, excuse yourself, take a walk. We give ourselves suggestions, but we talk kindly. We never say, oh, there you go again. You're such an idiot. <laughs> never do that stuff. Avoid that. You're only killing your passion. Yeah, that's so Killing true. your chances of happiness, authentic, genuine happiness. Well, is it possible to transform so-called mistakes and failures, in our own minds at least, into opportunities? And how do we do that? Yes, it's possible. And, and I love how you put that in our own minds because there's really no such thing as a mistake or a failure. I yeah. you know, I remember reading somewhere that someone said, you know, uh, I think it was about the light bulb, and I think it's Edison. That, you know, I only figured out uh, 9,900 times or 999 yeah. ways not to do something. Yeah, right? I and so <laughs> it's all just information. That's it. It's just information. And so when we look at it like that, we say, you know what, guess what I got? I got some more information. You know, one of the things I get a lot when I work with people is that, they, they're so remorseful of how their relationships are going or how they interacted. I said, so now you have information about how you behave when you haven't eaten in 12 hours, so we're going to avoid that. Or how you behave when you when you only sleep two hours or four hours a night, so we're going to try to fix that. So you're getting information about yourself. Yeah. Information is power if you choose to use it 
constructively. Yeah. Well, when you were here last July, we highlighted your acclaimed book, Freedom is Your Birthright, but I'd like to promote it again. And your book promises to teach us how to attain internal freedom, as you know, an ingredient, an essential ingredient to everyday peace. What are some of the tools your book uses to help readers uncover, implement, and take advantage of this internal freedom? Oh, one of the great tools about this book, first of all, I have to say it's a tiny book. So it's under 100 pages on purpose because I really want people to read it from cover to cover and then utilize it as a tool. Go back to it and say, oh, yeah, I remember I read about that. So yeah. the book has tiny little exercises in it that are user-friendly. It's not going to take you you know, a lot of time. There are things that you can do right in the midst of your everyday activities to really help you to restructure your pattern, the way you process things and the way you maneuver in your world. So these tools in the book help they help you to gently shift your behavior, gently to use your freedoms and to be con- to be conscious of even in this moment, whatever's going on in that moment. Yes, you are free. Yeah, I know yes, you, you also free. have a lot of stories from your own journey and stories of other folks that uh, show that it can be done and how it can be done. Yes, yes, because these are real people. Real, and, and even though I tell people this all the time, I'm writing the books, I'm living the life, I'm, I'm, I'm on the journey, and I constantly, as life does, gives me opportunities to review and look at myself and say, oh, Trayvon, this is an opportunity which you've just gotten some information and what you can do with this information and what you, you, know, what you can learn more about yourself so that I am in alignment with rekindling my own passions and pursuing my own passions. And life is busy for all of us, Roy. You know, there's always a reason not to do the things that make us happy. Yeah. But we've got to focus. And and make excuses of why we're not making ourselves happy. (laughs) Right. Blaming others and circumstances. (laughs) No one benefits from our misery, not even us. Well, where should our listeners go to preview and purchase your book, Freedom is Your Birthright? Freedom is Your Birthright can be purchased on Amazon. Yep, I found it there. Yeah, and I want to say that right now I'm doing a giveaway um, entitled the the, uh, 2020 Clarity Challenge, the 2020 Clarity Challenge, which is a seven-day challenge, and it's designed to help you have more internal awareness to help you create the external life that you're looking for. It's absolutely free. It's a seven-day challenge, and if um, someone would like to access that, you just need to send me an email saying 2020 Clarity Challenge. My email address is info at Dr. D-R Dravon, D-R-A-V as in victory, O-N, James. Info at Dr. Dravon James and request the 2020 Clarity Challenge. And it will help you to incorporate some um, clarity into into you. Everything we're looking for, more money, more health, better relationships, is all predicated on the relationship we have with self. Now, is that email address, info at Dr. Uh, Dr. Draven James dot com? Do you need yes, the sir. dot com on there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, dot com. I, I, mean, yeah, I, you didn't mention, com. I knew you need that on there. No, that, I would highly recommend that uh, people go to your website, Dr. Draven James dot com, because you've got some very interesting thoughts on the the various talks that you give, and also uh, a a summary of your book and other things. They can also find it on Amazon. And to conclude, as our program reviews on the Internet in March 2020, you and I are being inundated by the media with stories of the very scary 
potential impact in the U.S. and worldwide of the coronavirus threat to our health, uh, gatherings, cancellations, restrictions on traffic, uh, on travel, I should say, and especially here in America, we cherish our freedom to come, go, and interact as we please. So perhaps this seems like an odd point in time to argue that freedom is our birthright. But when you think about it, now is the perfect time because we're ta- what we're talking about is your internal freedom. And the media may report at length about present and future limitations on external freedom, but you and you alone can control how you act to disturbing or even, for that matter, good news, and to continue the cruise forward towards your objectives even if you need to alter your route from time to time. And I urge you to visit Dr. Gervon James's website, and if nothing else, observe her happy, confident, welcoming smile. <laughs> you can see from looking at her that she's indeed a person who wants to help you and to proclaim your birthright, uh, joyful, committed, and alive. And her very expression uh, on the picture invites us to come along. And her new book, uh, her book, although less than 100 pages long, may indeed provide the matches you need to rekindle that fire. And as covered in Dr. Draven's book, Freedom is Your Birthright, for every question or doubt that you may have about creating the life of your dreams, the answer lies within you. And uh, as her book shows you, it is possible to make every obstacle that shows up and to use it as a stepping stone. And thanks to me and Dr. Javon James for returning. Oh, Roy, it was a pleasure anytime. I absolutely love being on your show. Well, I'm certain, like me, you were inspired by Dr. Javon James' suggestions for gaining freedom inside. And on this program, we concentrate on positive actions you and I can take to make middle age our best age. And our focus is not on world events, politics, disagreements we all have on that, and uh, pandemics like the coronavirus. Heck, you can learn more than you'd ever want to know about the threat and how you should react on the three twenty-four-seven cable news networks or just turn on the radio or read your paper. But to close today's program, I'd like to mention one small positive aspect of the outbreak as it spreads. The disruption in our normal routine, be it from cancellations, closing, or your family's conscious decision to limit physical contacts outside the home, may be the ideal time to change your own behavior, to discontinue those bad or unfortunate habits and interactions that are causing more harm than good. In fact, the coronavirus break in routine may present a far better opportunity for new resolutions than does New Year's Day. Nearly everyone, and that includes you and me, wants to make some kind of life change, but as you're well aware from the annual New Year's ritual, there is a painful gap between the changes we want to, uh, and resolve to make and what we actually accomplish. Well, I have a possible answer during this period when we're forced to make some changes, like it or not, and that's to take tiny steps. That's the suggestion of Dr. B.J. Fogg, and that's Fogg with two G's, and no, he's not in one, uh, founder and director of Stanford University's Behavior Design Lab, and uh, his uh, 
ideas were taken from an article he wrote in the January 4, 2020 Wall Street Journal, and Dr. Fogg contends that to be effective, change doesn't have to be hard at all and shouldn't be. That sounds good, doesn't it? The adjustment that comes easily and makes us happy are the ones that work best, and it's our approach to self-improvement that needs to change. And the good news, Dr. Fogg in his article relays that there is a four-step formula for any successful shift in behavior. And let's go over that formula now. To instill a habit, a good positive new habit, the first thing you need is motivation. So pick a behavior that you want to do rather than one you merely feel obligated to do. Uh, something that really will change your life for the positive. And here's the second key. Make the change simple and small at first. Third, you need a personal prompt. Identify a way to reliably trigger the behavior. And the fourth and final step, celebrate your new improved habit so that your brain associates it uh, with positive feelings. Dr. Fogg's research team, believe it or not, has tested this four-stage approach with more than 40,000 folks over the past decade. That's a pretty good sample, isn't it? And here's an example. A busy mom named Amy needed to manage distractions to stay focused on essential tasks. Sound familiar? That's a lot like all of us, isn't it? The habit she initially designed was just to write one essential task on a a post-it note and stick it on her car dashboard so she saw it every weekday morning when she dropped her daughter off at kindergarten. And if you don't uh, get in your car the first thing every morning to go to work or whatever, you can post it somewhere handy in the house where you're bound to see it. Perhaps uh, in the mirror when you're looking to uh, apply your makeup or comb your hair or perhaps on the refrigerator. And heck, in these pandemic days, you may not go out that much in the car, so be sure it's posted somewhere where you'll see it. And the fact is, by continually seeing this postage note, Amy quickly felt successful, uh, successful, uh, celebrated her success, then moved on to accomplishing the task listed on the posted, and then others. And the bottom line, Amy ultimately used the same principles to build a successful small business. And notice her first celebration of success was just that she had posted those notes on her dashboard. It wasn't that she actually accomplished what the notes suggested. So you can really start small uh, with additional coronavirus-induced downtime and or forced behavior modification, this simple four-step formula can work for you. First, don't think you will have to create motivation. Choose good habits that you already are eager to adopt. Second, go tiny, <laughs> Dr. Fogg puts it. Why? Small is successful and sustainable because it is simpler. So start Uh, by designing a prompt. We respond almost automatically to hundreds of behavioral prompts each day that we barely notice. For example, when you notice a few drops of rain on your arm, you either go inside, uh, put on your hat, or open your umbrella. And the best way to prompt a new habit is to anchor it to an existing routine in your life, whether it's flushing the toilet, shaving, or applying makeup, 
while looking in the bathroom mirror or uh, perhaps making your morning coffee as you try each new habit, celebrate immediately. Cause yourself to feel good in the exact moment, whether it's an inward good job or an external fist punch. You will deliberately reinforce the habit by tapping into the reward security of your brain, causing it to recognize and encode the sequence of behavior you just performed. And the more intense the positive emotion, the faster your new behavior will become automatic. After all, your prior attempts had failed. This time, you're actually changing. Isn't that worth celebrating? And it's not primarily repetition over a long period that causes a change in habit. It's the positive emotions you attach uh, to this positive behavior from the start. And Dr. Fav assures that new habits can be instilled in five days or less. Creation of new healthy and wise habits uh, works best when folks work, work together as a family, business, or community but obviously these days working together has somewhat of a new meaning. Perhaps you can join an online community where participants share success stories and challenges over the Internet. It so often is helpful to know that others are battling the same behavior demons that you are and overcoming them. It's very helpful to know that. Whether you're working alone or as a member of the group, Keep in mind that change in super small habits can ultimately uh, ultimately lead to tremendous improvements in your life and getting some real things done. Some of the most profound transformations start from small adjustments. And because of the coronavirus, uh, March Madness canceled, NBA, NHL, and MLB action is on hold, and probably along with your kids' sports and activities and your meetings and social gatherings. So instead of sitting around bored and disgruntled, what a perfect time to concentrate on changing uh, your life once and for all for the better. And it's best to begin with tiny, and as you succeed with the small, emphatically celebrate your success, then move on to the next, perhaps harder but clearly achievable, and you'll ultimately celebrate the coronavirus uh, that made you pause. And, of course, we don't want someone else to become ill, perhaps even die from COVID-19, but you will become a firm believer that inside you are free and that you can make your life better under any circumstance. And that's our program for today. Despite any behavioral modification uh, you make voluntarily or are forced into, always keep in mind that middle age can be your best age and that you yourself are primarily responsible to make it happen. And talk to you next week on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 